But now going to Acts 28 in verse 15, I promise not to be before you too long today, my son Charles III, and I want to praise the Lord for Brother Charles and Julian. Oh, and I see my nephews and my sister-in-law Janine over there. How y'all doing? Amen. Praise the Lord, but Brother Charles III said, well, you know, Dad, can you make sure that you're not, you're not up there too long today because, you know, we're we trying to eat. Amen. And um, Brother Charles is now at the age of going as 14 years old. Like most teenage young men his age, their biggest question in life is, when do we eat? <laughs> so I promise Brother Charles we won't be here too long because we got feasting to do. Amen. But Acts 28 and 15 reads, and from there, when the brethren heard about us, they came to meet us as far as API Forum and three ends. When Paul saw them, he thanked God and took courage. Our title for today, if you need one, is Give Thanks. Obviously, it's Thanksgiving, amen. But there are at least 160 scriptures in the Bible where we are admonished or encouraged through command or example to give thanks. It would take all of the time that we had today to read them all, but they are all throughout the Bible. There's a, a couple that I'll bring out. Psalms 30 and 4 says, Sing praise to the Lord, you saints of his, and give thanks at the remembrance of his holy name. First Chronicles 16 and 34 and 35 reads, Oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. And say, save us, O God of our salvation. Gather us together and deliver us from the Gentiles to give thanks to your holy name. And I praise the Lord for Dr. Oscar Owens who read that in scripture today. There's 1 Thessalonians 5 verses 16, verses 16, rejoice, oh, 16 through 18, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Now, incidentally, even though it is the greatest commandment, the command, love one another, appears 11 times in the Bible. While give thanks, or some derivative thereof, appears 160 times in the Bible. It doesn't mean that our greatest commandment to love God above all else and love each other as you love yourself is less important. It is the greatest commandment, but the Bible is telling you all the time to give thanks. As time has gone on, however, and I've gotten older, it is still somewhat of a challenge sometimes, even now, to give thanks in the midst of adversity. It doesn't come automatically by reflex. If it was easy, we would not have been told to do it 
so many times in the Bible. Something can go wrong. Some type of adversity can hit you from out of the blue, completely from the left that you didn't see coming. And thanking the Lord or giving thanks will be the last thing on your mind. With bad news popping up as notifications on our phones and devices via the internet, it is hard not to see all of the trouble happening in our world and society. News hits us almost instantaneous nowadays, especially bad news. We've seen a record-breaking natural disasters, a rapid increase in mass shootings. We pray for the families of those victims in Colorado Springs and in Chesapeake, Virginia. We've seen widespread terror attacks, both foreign and domestic. War in Eastern Europe and other major world events leave so many people devastated. When you look at what's going on out there, it can be hard to see what to be thankful about. And that's just the stuff in the news. There are things that are happening in your personal lives that loom just as large, that never make the news cycle, that diagnosis from the doctor, that situation in your family with your children and your spouse, those things that they keep you awake at night and they assault your thoughts before you're fully able to wake up in the morning. They attempt to steal every ounce of your joy and peace out of your day. It seems to be relentless. But even in the midst of all that is and can be going on in our lives and in the world, we are still encouraged, I mean, no, even commanded. To in all things give thanks. Again, our text for this morning reads, and from there, when the brethren heard about us, they came to meet us as far as Appii Forum and three ends. When Paul saw them, he thanked God and took courage. Now, when one looks at this on the surface, it doesn't seem to be much to it. Paul saw the brethren and he gave thanks. Some of the brothers heard that Paul was in the area and they came from the surrounding areas and when Paul saw them, he began to give thanks and took courage. Nothing too sensational there, it seems. But I think I should give some context to what has been going on in Paul's life as a result of his preaching the gospel. At this point, Paul is on the island of Malta. In his time of preaching the gospel, he had been through so much for the spreading of the gospel. He says in 2 Corinthians 11 and verse 24, from the Jews five times I received 40 stripes minus one. 
Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I have been in the deep. In fact, the reason that he was on Malta at that time was because the ship that he was on as a prisoner had shipwrecked and sank. In journeys often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of the Gentiles, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in, in weariness and toil, in sleeplessness often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness, besides the other things what comes upon me daily. Now, if that, my brothers and sisters, isn't adversity, I do not know what is. Any one of those things on the list would be enough to knock some of us completely out of our mission's calling. And this doesn't, account doesn't even mention the, the snake bite. When he first got to Malta, after being floating in the water for a day and a half, he was picking up some wood to gather up firewood, and a viper bites on his hand. God worked a miracle because everyone thought that he was going to die. But he shook it off and kept moving. And when they saw that he was alive after about a day or so, they thought that he was a god. And then later after that, when they told him that he wasn't a god, he went through another beating. So he then went from being shipwrecked, floating in the ocean, bit by a snake, called a god, and then called a devil all in the span of a couple days. But that snake bite would have been somewhere at the top of my list, on top of everything else. But how could someone who had been through so much still be able to have an attitude of gratitude? Amen. I mean, if somebody cuts me off in traffic in the morning, it takes me mostly almost to the afternoon to be all right. I'm mad at everybody. Well, not that long, but I'm mad at everybody for a while. How does someone give thanks when they seem to be in a hopeless situation? I mean, the books of Ephesians, Philippians, and Colossians, and Philemon were written while Paul was in prison, awaiting execution, on death row. So how was he able to be so thankful? How? It got me thinking about what does it mean to live a life of thankfulness? What is it to have an attitude of gratitude? It got me thinking about the nature of gratitude and the different degrees of gratitude. There's different levels and degrees of gratitude you feel 
There's that light kind of gratitude, you know, that passing kind of gratitude you feel when someone holds the door open for you or lets you in the lane during traffic, during a traffic jam. But we usually forget about that kind of gratitude, especially when we speed up in our lane to keep from letting somebody in. Don't act like y'all haven't done it. When just a few seconds before, somebody just let you in the lane. There's that degree of gratitude that you feel when it came up in your spirit not to run that yellow light and you stop just in time to see that policeman sitting over there at that side of the intersection. You're like, yes. Thank you, Jesus. That gratitude passes by really quick, too. Or that sense of gratitude you may have when you didn't run that yellow light and somebody careens through the intersection and runs that red light. That's more intense, but we forget about that one easy because it left as quickly as it came. But every once in a while, I would dream that I would wake up 30 minutes after service had started. In the dream, I wake up and church has started 30 minutes early. And in the dream, I would come running into service and remembered that I had forgotten my sermon notes at home. I'd wake up and it would be Thursday. <laughs> and I'd be like, thank you, Jesus. So there's that light kind of gratitude. And then there's a, a deeper level of gratitude. One day, probably about 23 years ago, I was at one of Stevie Wonder's House of Toys benefit concerts. Some of y'all remember that? And outside of Stevie being there tearing it up, I saw Tina Marie performing. I saw Luther Vandross performing. I mean, they tore the house up. We were all blown away. Y'all going to act like y'all ain't never been to a Luther Vandross concert or Tina Marie. Are y'all that saved up in here? Amen. Lord of mercy. It's a tough room in here. But with all of the jumping up and sitting down and moving around, my, my wallet fell out of my pocket somehow. And it wasn't until I made it home that night that I realized that I had lost my wallet. You know that feeling of dread you get right there in the pit of your stomach. I had just got paid that Friday night and cashed my check. So there was all my money. My driver's license, address, credit cards. I laid up half the night thinking about what I was going to do. I got up the next morning and went out and checked my car again to see if I had dropped it or if it had magically appeared in the place that I had already looked. You know how you do that? I know you check your pockets four times and you hope it pops up there, but it didn't. I had started calling the bank and the credit card companies when I got another call on the other line. It was my friend... Kiana. She called to say that she was at the concert the night before and that she had seen a wallet on the ground and that she picked it up and saw that it was mine. And she had it in her hand with all of my stuff in it. 
the gratitude I felt towards her at that moment was very real. It was unmistakable. She was an instrument of the Lord. <laughs> In fact, I saw Sister Kiana a couple weeks at church with her mom, um, Judge Maybelline, and I felt that same feeling of gratitude. 23 years later, I felt it. But that level of gratitude was a little deeper because it was so closely associated with that feeling of dread that I had the night before. It was deeper because I got rescued, so to speak. There was nothing that I could do. My wallet was gone and my sister brought it back to me. But then there's been other times that I've missed it, or that I've forgotten to show gratitude. It reminds me of a story I heard from Dr. Steve Eason about the, the nine lepers that failed to return. You may know the story. While Jesus was ministering one day, he saw 10 lepers who cry out for mercy, so he performs a miracle and heals them, and they all go their own way except one that came back to say, thank you. Thank you. Don't be like the nine. Be like the one that came back, everyone says. There's even a, a song about it. I am the one who came back to say thank you, thank you. Everybody's like, I want to be like the one. But that Samaritan with leprosy, the one who returned, to thank Jesus. Imagine just for a moment what this person's life was like. Everyone in the room and online, just close your eyes and really try to imagine it for a second. Imagine him having a good, full life, a wife and three beautiful children and a, a job that paid good. Then he develops this disease this devastating disease, and it's, it's on his skin for everyone to see. And the priest tells him he's unclean. And society tells him he's unclean. And his friends are no longer his friends because he's unclean. And he has to go live in this colony of other lepers with the same disease on the outskirts of town, shunned by society. And he has lost forever the life that he once had. Keep your eyes closed. Keep imagining if it was you. And then imagine one day that Jesus Christ comes walking by. All ten lepers have heard about Jesus. They've heard the reports that Jesus healed other people and they are afraid. They're afraid to hope. How many of you know that you can be afraid to hope? They're scared to hope, but deep down they do hope. They hope that maybe, just maybe, Jesus can work a miracle in their lives too. So they all shout together, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. 
And Jesus looks at them. Keep on imagining it. He doesn't walk by them like everybody else walks by them. And Jesus says to all of them, go and show yourselves to the priest. Imagine them walking towards the priest. And as they walk, they become clean. Amen. Imagine the moment that those 10 men are healed. Imagine the moment that this Samaritan, this man who was an outcast among outcasts, who thought he had lost everything, imagine the moment that he saw that his leprosy was gone. Imagine the moment that he realizes, I just got my life back. Has it ever happened to you? Maybe someone here today took your own health for granted. Then came the test. Then came the unexpected news, the diagnosis. And then you had to go through difficult treatment or major surgery. And you did not know how it was going to go. And during the recovery, you did not know how the recovery would go. And it was long. And it was difficult and it was painful and your family prayed for you and your church family prayed for you and you had faith but you worried and wondered if you were going to make it and through God's grace and the care of good doctors and nurses you recovered you are here right now give the Lord praise It's not that shallow gratitude we talked about earlier where you thank someone for holding the door or letting you in the lane and then forget it about a few seconds later. It's the deepest level of gratitude to where you realize that for all theoretical accounts, you shouldn't be here right now. It's that, that life-changing gratitude. And it, not, it's not, it doesn't come as a result of something that you did because it's a gift given to you, a gift that you could not give yourself. It's that level of gratitude that says, I got my life back. Mm. I mean, the other nine lepers should have come back but I think that they were so excited, so overcome that they didn't know what to do with themselves. It was bigger than anything that they could imagine. This was more than they could have ever hoped for. They ran to get back to their families. I don't picture them as purposely ungrateful to Jesus. I just picture them so overcome with what has just happened to them that they want to get back to their lives and their families as quickly as they can. And so they forget to say, thank you. Has anyone here ever forgotten to say thank you? It's not that difficult to forget, is it? 
especially if the miracle that saved your life was long ago. Sometimes we just forget and then we get distracted. We get distracted by all of the trouble happening around us and all of the things that are trying to steal our peace and our joy and we forget the miracle that is our life today. Some of us forget because we are so wrapped up in ourselves that we think that we deserve what was just done for us. Mm. Anyone here know someone like that? But again, I ask the question, how does one give thanks in the midst of adversity? Now, I believe that the reason Paul was able to give thanks in the middle of all that he suffered, shipwrecks, prisons, beatings, stonings, I believe that he was able to give thanks in, all that he su- in the midst of all that he suffered because one, he remembered what his life was like before he gave it to the Lord. He remembered the faces and the screams of all the people who he hunted and persecuted for believing in Jesus before he himself came to the Lord. We don't really go into the details and the depths of the things that Paul did. They kind of gloss over that part. But he was a bad dude. He imprisoned and tortured and helped murder a lot of people before he met Jesus on the road to Damascus. And it was through his conversion experience and his redemption and his forgiveness that too he remembered that every breath he took from that moment on was a gift that he was going to use to spread life to someone else. Every breath that you have taken since your miracle that has given you life is a gift that you are to put into the accomplishment of your purpose. So when Paul saw that the brethren that came to visit him, he was able to give thanks after all that he had been through because he remembered that because of what God had done in his life, they had gotten their lives back. Through all the pain that he had caused in his past, God was using him as an instrument to lift and love people. He knew that God was using him to fulfill his purpose. You see, sometimes in the middle of all of this adversity, we may forget that God has put purpose inside of us. And if you realize that God has put you here for a reason, then you can give him thanks whatever circumstances you find yourself in, come what may. Hallelujah anyhow. How many hallelujah anyhow folks do we have in the house on today? If you realize that God has put purpose in everyone around you, then you'll be thankful for everyone around you. You'll understand that God put them here for a reason just like he put you here for a reason. You'll realize that God is working through them even though they don't know it yet. You won't take people for granted that God is bringing them into something. 
You see, giving thanks is the best defense against hopelessness. Giving thanks makes your faith stronger. It helps you see it helps you see God pass all of the mess that flies at you. Giving thanks puts you squarely in God's will and in his plan for your life. It draws us closer to God. When your coworkers are getting on your nerves, give thanks because God is working through them. When your family is vexing your spirit, give thanks because God is working in and through them. Give thanks because they're still alive to get on your nerves. When you're in the middle of a situation that is threatening to steal your joy and steal your peace, give thanks because God is going to bring you through. When you don't know what the future holds, give thanks because you know who holds the future. Oh, somebody give thanks in the house of the Lord on today. Oh, come on now. Somebody give thanks in the house of the Lord. Somebody say thank you. If you don't know what to do, give thanks. In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of Christ Jesus for you. It brings peace. Giving thanks gives joy. It brings joy because when I think of the goodness of Jesus and all he's done for me, my soul cries out, hallelujah. 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 Thank God for blessing me.